very welcome along. Good morning to you if you're uh, just joining us. For those of you who've been with us a while, uh, we're switching tack slightly. And of course, it is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. On this Saturday, the 14th of April. Parik, good morning. Good morning, dear. dear. Good How morning, listeners. You? I'm fantastic. The sun is shining it's in the window. absolutely beautiful out there today, isn't it? A little bit of frost last night, of course. Minus so, one when I got into the car yeah, this morning. So people but just need to watch any kind of tender plants, any little bedding plants or tomatoes and tunnels or greenhouses. Make sure that you're covering them at night time with a little bit of garden fleece. Give them some protection because that frost will certainly do some damage on any tender plants. Uh, but, but overall, it's going to be a cracking day today. Tomorrow's promised even better so it's really really good gardening weather and funny on the drive up mm-hmm. I was looking at uh, admiring the cherry trees are absolutely they're coming out beautiful. aren't they yeah yeah, yeah. you can really see it really really lovely colour uh, where was I yesterday I was passing some wild gorse yesterday and the smell of the wild gorse was absolutely beautiful um, and brooms are in flower forest flame I've never seen it looking as good the lovely Pierre's forest flame that's the, the plant with the lovely orange foliage at this time of year listeners will know it if they have it in the garden do watch it with the frost at night time uh, because the tender growth, that lovely pink coloration can get damaged with, with frost at night time. And if that does occur, mm-hmm. the, the leaves will go brown overnight. And if you just trim them off, if you give them a light trimming, uh, a little bit of a feed, that plant will actually come back into colour again. So with these frosty nights, if you do get a little bit of damage on your forest flame, just trim it back, tidy it up, a little bit of a liquid feed, and it'll come back into leaf again in, in a couple of weeks' time. But we had a great week. Uh, funny enough, I mentioned last week's programme, we did a special night Thursday for the listeners. That's right. We had a great crowd. Good, excellent. So thanks for, for coming along. But uh, it was a, a something different, I suppose. We invited uh, eight or nine of the top Irish growers of plants, uh, people that we, I have dealt with for over many, many years, grow people that grow hedging plants, shrubs, trees, roses and so on. They came along on Thursday night and uh, we made them v- available to our listeners so people were able to ask them questions. They brought along a lot of ra- new ranges of plants. Okay. Um, and it was great to have, I suppose, um, you know, rather than just relying on ourselves, we yes. had the experts in their fields, people that are actually growing the plants and tending the plants and looking after them for many years, um, there to talk to, to listeners. So it was a great night and and I took the opportunity. Yes, you you you, uh, you were you were multitasking for I, it. I, I doorstepped. <laughs> I doorstepped a couple of of the growers and asked them to do a, a little piece to to the recorder, just on um, just some advice and some tips. So we st- I started with Billy Kelly, who is one of our uh, Ireland's um, greatest growers of hedging plants. Has grown them for many years, right. and uh, I thought it was quite apt because there's a lot of people thinking about replacing hedges or putting in new hedges. So I said to Billy, uh, you know, give us some hints and tips, and he brought along some plants and talked me through them as well so okay so we'll let's take a listen yeah well, a very good morning, listeners. I'm in the garden centre here in Turlock with one of Ireland's leading growers of hedging, hardy hedging plants, Billy Kelly. Good morning, Billy. Billy, we're looking at a wide range of hedging plants here in the garden centre. Let's start with this plant over here, which is you were telling me earlier is a really good seaside hedge. Yeah, this plant here, Park, is Eliagnus abingii. It's very, very hardy. It's tolerant of sea winds, of salt. And also, it's extremely hardy in frosty conditions. How did it do in the last, you know, in the very hard winter we got there two years ago? How did it survive? I think in all coastal areas, it hasn't been damaged anywhere. It has survived perfectly at the seaside. And it's got that lovely silver leaf, Billy, hasn't it? As the young leaves seem to be even brighter than the older foliage. Is it evergreen? It's evergreen. And the first flush of growth in the spring, like you say, it's a beautiful silver leaf. And after its first flush of growth, 
which would be towards the end of May, you can give it a trimming, which will mean you'll get a second flush of very nice silver leaves again in July-August. So there's quite a bit of colour in it and a bit of variation throughout the year. So that's a good uh, seaside head. Iliagnus abengii, nice silver foliage, retains the leaf all year round. Um, I suppose planting it, what, two feet apart? Plant two feet apart, or if you want to establish your hedge a little bit more quickly, plant at 18 inches. So moving along, this looks like laurel, is it? Talk to me about these couple of plants here that you have in front of me. Yeah, well, it's it's Prunus usitanica, or Portuguese laurel. Again, it's evergreen, but has a much smaller leaf than uh, common laurel. And people prefer it because when it's trimmed, you, you don't see so many cut leaves on it. it. It's a little bit more attractive. And I suppose the fact that it's slower growing, you've less trimming to do with it as well. That's true. And also it's suitable maybe for a lower hedge, a hedge that maybe you want to maintain at three or four feet tall. Okay, so that's Portuguese laurel, nice evergreen leaf. You can already actually see the young growth has started on it already, which is, I suppose, a lighter, more apple green than the dark leaf. It's actually quite a nice contrast, isn't it? Yes. Again, and like all hedges, the more you prune it and the more you trim it, the more fresh growth you get and the more colour you get from it. Okay, so for something taller, Billy, um, just moving over here to these larger plants, we're looking at, I suppose, five foot. These are maybe five, five and a half foot uh, laurels. These would be, I suppose, ideal for an instant hedge, wouldn't they? Well, for somebody who wants uh, to create shelter or privacy quickly, they're good value for money. They're already quite tall. They're about five feet tall. Uh, a nice green, glossy, rounded leaf. This one is Prunus rotundifolia, which is probably the best of the fast-growing laurel varieties. Very healthy and uh, easy to maintain and trim. It's lovely, isn't it, with that li- nice, glossy leaf. Again, spacing, Billy, what would you put them in at for to get that kind of fast, quick, mature hedge? We recommend planting at two feet apart, but again, if you want to establish it a little bit more quickly, you can go as close as 18 inches. And laurel are very, very hungry, so it's very important to keep them well fed because you maintain a, a good gloss and texture on the leaf. The better fed they are, the better colour you get in your plants. So for listeners that may have planted, say, hedges a year or two years ago, something like the sudden impact, I suppose, or a tree and shrub feed would, would give that gloss. And I suppose this is the time of year, really. Mid-April is a good time to start feeding. Absolutely, and the, the growth both is coming at the moment, so now is the time that they need the feed. But also remember to feed them a little bit during maybe midsummer, providing there isn't a drought, and give them a light feeding again in September. Now, funny enough, we had a question last week on last week's programme about shot hole fungus. You know that, that the small holes in the leaves of laurel. What do you recommend listeners do if they see that coming on the plants? It's more a symptom of the conditions the laurel is growing in, in my opinion. If a laurel is very well fed, you tend not to get a problem with this disease, but you can also use a variety of fungicides. But my preference is to feed them, and a healthy plant is less inclined to get diseased. Well, that's the answer we actually gave last week. We told them to feed the plant, that it is more a growing condition, and if it's fed, the new leaves coming forward will be free of shot hole fungus. Lastly, Billy, that lovely cone-shaped conifer, what's the name of that plant? That plant is called Tuius Marac. Uh, it's a plant which has been bred and developed in Denmark and translated to English. Uh, Smarac means emerald. So it's an emerald green conifer which grows a very neat, upright, almost pencil-shaped habit. Um, we'll grow at a rate of about one foot per year. 
and almost needs no trimming. Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely cone shape, Conifer. It's evergreen, of course. Um, nice conical shape. So it's going to be, I suppose, two to three feet wide at the base as a mature plant and going up into that nice conical shape. So spacing, Billy, what would you space them apart to give that nice formal hedge? If you want to maintain the conical shape on them, probably closer to about four feet apart. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, that particular conifer, uh, Thuya smarled or Thuya emerald, it, it needs very little trimming or no trimming at all. Definitely in the first 10 or 12 years, it would need no trimming. And after that, if you do wish to trim it, it, it doesn't mind being trimmed and trims up very successfully. To recap, good time of year to plant hedging. People that are thinking about replacing old damaged hedges or putting in new hedges, soil conditions are ideal. It's good time. We would recommend that you prepare well before you plant your hedge. If the hedge is being planted into the edge of a lawn, uh, mark out the area where it's going to be planted. Spray off an area probably about one metre wide. What would you use, Billy? What would you use as a uh, Normally glyphosate would be the best. Uh, wait for seven to ten days. Then you can dig or cultivate the ground. You can dig in some uh, compost some chicken manure pellets or sea mungus, whatever sort of product is available. And then when the ground is prepared, then go to your garden centre, get your plants, get them planted. And I would also recommend at this stage that you get a ground cover membrane and after planting, fit it in around the plants and cover it then with maybe bark or pebble or something decorative. What this will do is going to save you a lot of time. It will help the hedge to establish better. It will hold moisture in the soil. It will eliminate competition from weeds. And it will leave you with a much nicer hedge a lot more quickly than, than what you would expect otherwise. Yeah, it leaves it pretty much maintenance-free. So to recap, in the Agnes Abengi for the seaside locations, the dwarf Portuguese laurel for somebody, I suppose, listeners that want to hedge up to about three to four feet with little trimming or no trimming. Common laurel then, rotundifolia, the round-leafed laurel. That's the hardy variety that you recommend it. It's a very hardy and also a very healthy variety that gives very little trouble afterwards. So keep it simple and stick with the things that have always worked for people in the past and it's a case of back to the future really at the moment and I suppose these plants have been tested they've come through the, fir- the hard frosty weather without any damage so they're, they're tried and tested at this stage that's true even in the very coldest part of the country I live near Mullingar in the Midlands and any and all of those plants have survived the frost locally with us ok Billy thanks a million thanks for your time thanks for having me Porrick lots of information there from Billy Porrick absolutely and I suppose his key message is it's time to get the hedging plants in and there are good hardy plants that Iliagnus for the the seaside area, the laurels that he mentioned, both the Portuguese and the and the rotunda folia, the round-leafed laurel, which is a very hardy variety, um, and the Thuya smarl. So a good time to plant and show the weather conditions are ideal at the moment. Exactly, exactly. Now he wasn't the only person. No, the other the other man I actually doorstepped was a guy called Wheat Rentes, um, and he's a Dutchman that came to Ireland. I think in 1978 he told me. Okay, so for he's five years. Here a while. For five years, right. and he's still here. <laughs> And uh, he is one of probably Ireland's best growers of shrubs, trees, roses. He grows quite a wide range of plants um, up in Kildare. So again, I spoke to Weed, just talking to him in particular about trees and the planting of trees and what trees to get in at this time of year. So he did a nice little piece for me. Okay, here we go. Let's take a listen. A very good morning, listeners. I'm joined once again with uh, by another of one of Ireland's leading Irish growers of trees and shrubs, Weed Rentes. Uh, Weed, your Formerly from Holland. That's correct, Spark. Uh, I came to Ireland in 1978 and 
with the view to staying five years and never <laughs> I'm still here <laughs> you're still there and you're still growing very good plants and beautiful trees um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what trees you'd recommend to grow in the west of Ireland I suppose as you know with our wind and our high level of moisture um, what type of trees should listeners be looking at to plant in the garden at this time of year well in general I would recommend because of the windy condition here uh, trees that are growing relatively slowly so they're generally stronger trees that do not get too tall so I would recommend trees in the small to medium size which which means up to up to 15 to maybe 20 foot in height right and I'm looking here at one called Alnus incana aurea it's a yellow alder yeah, it's beautiful uh, yellow leaves on it at this time of the year. Beautiful yellow leaves this time of year. There's a bit of orangey wood in the winter. Um, it's an alder. It likes the wet. Uh, and it's a, it's a very hardy tree. No trouble, no no insects, no nothing. It's just a perfect tree. So it's, it's a very good tree for, for wet sites, wet conditions. I suppose it'll help to dry it up a site to a certain extent as well. Once it gets bigger, and there's, it will certainly help, like any tree, to stabilise uh, wet sites, yes. It okay. So what else would you recommend? What are the good trees? Uh, slightly different, but here we have a weeping tree. It's a weeping birch. And again, good for uh, wet sites. And small, doesn't get too big. A weeping birch will get up to 15 foot at the very most. Uh, and it's a graceful tree for small gardens. Beautiful tree, isn't it? Lovely shape to it. Yeah. And, and in time, I suppose, the bark gets white as well, doesn't it? It gets a semi-white colour. The bark indeed gets a semi-white uh, over time, like, but it doesn't start until the tree gets to about uh, 10 years old. What else have you got for us? Uh, we've uh, a popular tree... Uh, that will start to come into flower in the next couple of weeks will be the golden rain and uh, some people call it golden rain others call it golden chain because of the chain link of flowers, of flowers. Yeah. Uh, very popular tree does not like the wet as much as the previous two uh, but if you have it dry enough aside uh, most certainly it's a small tree 15 foot max and that's going to be coming into flower now in May as we come into May. It starts from the middle of May onwards, you can see it. Um, and that one, that's Laburnum Vossii, isn't it? It's one of the, the better varieties. Vossii, which is one of the grafted varieties. So Vossii is the variety to look for. Vossii. What about maple, something with leaf colour? Uh, maple are a perfect plant for a small garden. Come in copper-leafed, uh, copper-leafed maple, one of the most popular trees in, in Ireland. Also come in a variegated form called the Acer uh, Dramondiae. Very popular tree, 20 feet in height perfect plant. And they're two, they're two actually very good trees to plant together because there's a nice contrast between the dark leaf of the Crimson King and the variegated leaf of the Dramondii. Absolutely, you very often see them planted in uh, together in estates and even along driveways and avenues and so on. In terms of planting the trees wheat, what would your tips be in terms of soil preparation and staking and what should listeners do when they're planting a new tree in the garden? Uh, one of the most important things with planting a tree is not to plant the too deep uh, plant it to the same depth as the, the pot that it comes in or maybe one inch lower but not deeper as that stake it securely so that the tree gets a chance to root in without being blown over by the wind those are the two most important important features ok thanks very much so, so there you go 
Busy, busy, busy night, but it sounds like a big busy night. Busy night, yeah. We had a lot of, I suppose, the apologies for the background noise. No. We had a good few people there um, chatting away and, and talking to the various nursery growers. But yeah, I suppose weeds, again, messages, is a good time of year to plant trees in the garden. Uh, the, the lovely cherries are in flower at the moment. That golden rain tree he was talking about, the laburnum, is mm-hmm. going to be flowering now as we come into May. And it's an excellent time to plant because soil conditions are ideal for getting trees and shrubs and hedging plants in the garden. So... Okay. Good night. I enjoyed it. And, um, you know, certainly I think the, the listeners that came, came along enjoyed it as well. And it was good to chat to to the experts in their field. Yeah, it is. It, I, suppose, I mean, I know we cover quite a lot on, on the programme mm. here. Um, and that's our purpose. But when you have a particular problem or maybe a particular interest as a gardener, yeah. it is lovely just to get that opportunity on a one-to-one basis uh, to meet the person face-to-face and to have a little bit of a chat. And I'm and sure... And those guys, you see, specialise yes. in those fields. So, so they're, they're like the surgeon. They're, right. they're, they actually specialise in <laughs> growing trees or growing shrubs or yeah. Billy growing hedging plants. Yeah. You know, he really doesn't grow a whole lot else. It's, it's really focused on hedging for the last 30 years so they're experts in their field. Okay, great stuff. Well I'd say lots of people got great information but we have lots more great information coming over the next uh, 35 plus minutes so if you do have a question for Porek this morning, who is an expert in all fields I'd like to point out, (laughs) it's 087-900-4141 with thanks to CNC Cellular from Vodafone Mobile Broadband, that's reliable you can call us as well, Cruz is busy on phones, it's 0818-3055 and if you do want to email us with a gardening question, garden at midway Radio.ie will get it straight to us. We're back in a few minutes. Okay, you're very welcome back now. We have a whole heap of questions for you this morning, Boric. Okay. Uh, so let's new? <laughs> get right down to it. Uh, now, first of all, somebody recently planted some broad-leaved trees, including maples, birch and porry and mountain ash trees, rather. Okay. Do you need to prune the long top stems back. I would. I would definitely pl- prune them back because with pruning them back even though they're young trees but the formative years is very important in, for- in in training a tree. So I would cut back certainly 18 inches two foot of growth um, any of that whippy growth that's on, on the very tops of the young trees cut that back now they're just coming into growth plant them give them a good feed and by pruning them back that, that single shoot you're creating a double shoot straight away and that should be done for the first couple of years just to get the tree into a nice formal uh, bush shape mm. because if it's a flowering tree like a cherry or a laburnum you're going to get twice or three times the amount of flower over the next couple of years by pruning the plant back so yes I would cut them back now take 18 inches to 2 feet off the tops of the plants plant them feed them and next spring do exactly the same thing again and that'll start to train the tree and give it a nice formal shape Lovely. Now, with all the frost, well, yes. there's some frost anyway, yeah. is it okay to plant tomatoes out into the greenhouse? Well, I wouldn't do it just yet. I mean, if you have them in the greenhouse of the tunnel, then use certainly the uh, the fleece at night time to cover them because the, the, the frost that we're getting will certainly damage them. They are frost tender. And that really implied to cucumbers, melons, aubergines, any of the soft, tender plants, embedding plants in particular, things like marigolds, salvia, any of that soft, tender bedding, be very careful. Uh, the frost at night time will certainly damage it. Even the common things like uh, runner beans would be damaged. Anything that's frost sensitive, c- celery, um, anything that would, would uh, the foliage will get damaged by frost certainly covers at night time with fleece and if you haven't put the tomatoes out into the glasshouse or greenhouse, I would hold them just for another couple of days. These sunny days you're going to get that heavy frost at night time and it is very damaging on, on tomatoes, cucumbers um, so by all means cover them or if you have them still in the, in the house keep them in for another, maybe another week or ten days. Okay, just not yet. Yeah. Um, 
now somebody's planted the regular cabbage, lettuce, etc., in their raised beds. Okay. But they're looking. They're looking to be a little more adventurous. Pork. Right. Something different. If, would you have any suggestions? Well, you could think about plants like um, I think we we talked a couple of weeks back about the celeriac, which would be well worth growing. Plants of celeriac are available at the moment for planting. Swiss chard, which is one of my favourite plants, it's a, a lovely uh, garden vegetable. It has um, not only is it is it edible the, the leaves and stems, but it's actually a very colourful plant as well. It produces lovely white stems or orange stems depending on the variety. There's a lovely variety called bright lights and plants of those Swiss chards are available at the moment. You use it very much like spinach and the leaves can be or the stems can be used like celery um, and it's a very very easy plant to grow. You can also sow it from seed and if you sow seed now you'll be using it in July and August of this year and you can also sow seed in midsummer of Swiss chard to use through the winter so that would be something different. Pak choy, the Chinese leaves, I think we fin- featured that a couple of weeks yep. back. Again that would be well worth growing um, and then you know some of the garden peas, runner beans, uh, radishes, there's lots of vegetable plants available at the moment for, for planting. So visit your local garden centre, have a look at what's available. Maybe some herbs, some strawberries in the raised beds would be very good as well. Um, and really the trick with vegetable plants is to plant little and often. So plant maybe six or eight plants now and repeat that then in a couple of weeks' time and do that right through the summer months and you'll have pickings from June right through till the end of summer, often into the winter. Okay, lovely stuff. Now, somebody is wondering, which, what would you advise for an exposed, windy, west-facing site? And we have a lot of those around winter, the west, yes. or rest of, <laughs> west of Ireland. Well, my advice really is to go for a lot of, of the traditional hedging or the seaside plants. Uh, so I'm thinking of things like hydrangeas, lavateria, the mallow, potentillas, uh, spireas, a lot of those tried and tested plants, fuchsias that you would see in seaside gardens. They'll tolerate soil conditions, they'll tolerate windy conditions and um, they're good, tough, hardy, hardy plants. So really look for that seaside collection. Billy was talking actually earlier on about in terms of hedging the mm. Iliagnus abengii, which mm. is a nice silver-leafed shrub. You can grow it as a hedge or indeed you can grow it as a shrub as well. And it's often good to put a couple of them in, maybe to provide an internal barrier or protection for other trees and shrubs in the garden. But really in this case, if it's windy, if it's wet, um, exposed, then stick to your seaside traditional plants, the hydrangeas, the lavaterias, the potentillas, spireas. There's lots of them available and it's a great time to plant them. Okay, good stuff. Formiums, the New Zealand flax is another really good one. Tough, good, hardy, hardy plant. Okay, so lots of suggestions yeah. there. Yeah. Um, now, what's uh, daffodils? Daffodils really are pretty much gone at this stage, I think. They sure are. People wondering what's good to sow for colour to replace them. Well, I would be thinking more of uh, summer colour now at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Things that are in flower at the moment, particularly there's a lovely range of alpines in flower at the moment, or some herbaceous plants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, thinking of plants like aubrichias flowering at the moment, you want colour just now. Campanula is blooming at the moment. The ibris, the lovely white ibris, is blooming, and the alpines will flower not just this year but every year after that and they're low growing again would be good actually in the, in the exposed garden but I'd also be thinking about maybe some summer bedding now uh, spring the summer flowering pansies and violas are just showing colour at the moment Nemesia is a lovely plant that could be planted now which will flower over the next couple of weeks it kind of flowers early summer early to midsummer, and gives a nice bit of colour so for me I would choose alpine plants if you want something that will flower every year. Some herbaceous plants, the granny's bonnet or aquilegia is just in flower at the moment um, the lovely white arum lily is blooming at the moment in, in many gardens. So there's lots of alpine or herbaceous plants that could be planted now and, it, and indeed some of the summer bedding, the, the summer pansies, the violas will be blooming Nemesia, look out for that one, that's very colourful and very showy and will flower over the next couple of weeks. Okay, so lots of options. Oh, there's there plenty of stuff available yeah, at the moment. Yeah. Now, lechen on a cherry 
cherry tree. How do we treat that? Well, you could use it. Lichen, first of all, is it's like a mossy growth on, on the leaf. It's not parasitic. It really uses the tree more for support. And um, so to get rid of it, you could quite simply just get a little bit of copper, uh, copper fungicide, mix it up in water in a spraying machine or a, or a mister and spray it onto the the bark of the cherry tree and that'll eliminate it overnight. The other thing you can do, and I often do it with, particularly with birch trees, is to get the power hose. Okay. And just power them down. Right. Just walk, you know, particularly if they're mature trees. Mm. Um, silver birch in particular, it gets that gross, uh, green, lichen kind of mossy type of coloration. Yeah. And the bark tends to be a little bit discoloured at this time of year. If you take the power hose to it, give it a good power hosing down you'll remove some of the bark you'll remove any lichen and moss that are on it and it actually brings the, the bark up really really colourful and the same can be done on this uh, cherry tree as well okay, just so give it a good once hose. they're a couple of years old is it? yeah once mm. they're reasonably well established, established maybe when the stems are four six inches in diameter you know a tree that might be four or five years old and particularly with, with this one if lichen is on it it's going to be a number of years old so either use a copper fungicide and uh, just simply spray it on and that will just kill the, the lichen but if you want to bring up the colour of the bark and cherries have a very nice coloration in their bark if you give them a good power good hose wash. get the power hose out give it a good up right and right up through the branches and that'll remove and particularly for silver birch you'd be amazed how well it brings up the color it actually takes off some of the outer skin of mm. the bark and brings out that internal white um, uh, coloration on the birch and you know they're really like marble after you've given it's them a good exfoliation it is that's exactly what it is yeah. and it removes all that lichen and moss and you can go right up through up into the, bran- the branches i would do my own birch maybe every three years and and it really brings the colour up really well Okay, now, new laurel hedge uh, last year, masses of tiny holes and bites gone out of some leaves. Well, funny enough, it was one of the questions that I mentioned to Billy and, mm. and he, we talked about the shot hole fungus and ex- mm. that's exactly what the listener is describing. Lots of small holes in the leaves. It's more a, a growing disorder. So Billy's answer was really just give it a good feed, get some right. sudden impact, um, some tree and shrub fertiliser onto the laurels now. They're coming into growth and you'll find that that shot hole fungus will disappear in, in the leaves. So it's really down to feeding the plants, looking after them, give them a good feed now repeat the feed in midsummer, as Billy said, and a small application then in September, and that will remove the shot hole fungus. If there are more munching of the leaves, or you know more damage to the leaves, mm. then you could use something like Bug Clear, which will remove uh, things like um, aphids or um, what what vine weevil, okay. vine weevil from the which which can damage laurels as well. But it sounds more like shot hole fungus, and the feeding will actually get the plants back into good condition okay, again and, and it's a great time to feed plants in general So uh, is there is, can, can we identify in terms of the, the way the hole is created as to whether it's yes. one or the other Yeah, well shot hole fungus exa- is exactly as the name st- uh, describes it's like you're taking a shotgun and shooting the leaves oh, right. it, it, It's as if the leaves are peppered with small mm-hmm. holes right. and that's typically shot hole fungus which is really, it's down to the growing conditions the plants are unhappy, they're under stress and that disorder comes into them so feeding rectifies that problem. If it's vine weevil then it'll be U-shaped notches very distinct munches out of the outer side of the leaf. So when you look at the leaf you'll get these C-shaped cuts out of the actual leaf and that's vine weevil weevil damage it's it's the adult that munches the leaf and um, to be honest unless it's very bad i wouldn't worry about it because laurel is so vigorous and so hardy It'll come back an odd leaf an odd little bit of munching is of no harm whatsoever right. but if you really want to to clean it off then use something like bug clear in the evening time because the vine weevil is nocturnal she she and they're all she's oh really yeah <laughs> she she appears at night time 
And, we uh, always get the blues. <laughs> and munches the foliage and that causes the damage on laurel. But to be okay. honest, look at it, it's a good, robust, hardy okay. plant. I would feed it and look after it that way. As Belly says, a healthy plant you know, it, it helps to ward off any pests and diseases. So it's more important to have them healthy rather than hitting right. them with insecticides okay. and, and so on. Yeah, that makes sense, of course. All right. Now, moss. We, we'll touch moss on lawn. Somebody who's got moss. moss patches. Yeah, moss, moss, moss. Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> well, look at moss on the lawn. What do you do? You use the sulphate of iron um, in the spraying machine is the most effective way of applying it. So, you know, use about a pound of... Uh, so, of um, sulphate of iron mixed in hot water into your spray machine, add your 20 litres of, of uh, water to that and spray it on and that's the most effective and rapid way to get rid of moss in the lawn. Um, not only that, it also gives the lawn a good tonic. Uh, yeah. It actually gives it helps to green it up and give it a really good colour and the funny thing, I, what I find with the iron is that it actually helps to slow down the growth of the grass. Right. So you'll often find where you're treating lawns with sulphate of iron, you're not cutting them as often the grow actually which is no bad thing in the no, middle it's of the no summer. bad thing yeah. no and it gives that lovely colour so it's a good tonic for the lawn as well as getting rid of of your um, of your moss if you don't have a sprayer then you can put it out through a spreader a lawn spreader just pour it into the spreader at a very light setting and apply it over the entire lawn area do it in the evening time just for the heavy dew and that will wash it down onto the moss and it will kill it overnight okay right Okay, so and do as I always say with sulphur of iron make sure it doesn't get on your tarmac or your paving slabs or your because it will leave a stain yeah. and wear some rubber boots it's not toxic but it, it leaves that I can nearly taste it now right. in the studio <laughs> it leaves that iron taste in your mouth you know yeah. so wear a pair of gloves wear a pair of boots it's not toxic but it you know if you, it's, it's on your clothing and that and that kind of that metallic stuff will it it, it, it does kind of stay with it does yeah. it does and if you have your best Sunday shoes on it'll you know it'll oh, it damage the shoes right so shoes. you know old clothes when you're yeah. applying it. it but as I say it's not that it's toxic it's more that you, it, you tend to taste it and it tends to stick to the clothes a little bit and so on okay. so spray it on is the way I find it, the most effective way to apply it lovely now, somebody bought bulbs of this plant, and you, I may need assistance with this now, Boric. Tigridia canariensis. Hey, yes, you have it. Bang on. Okay. That's the tiger lily. Oh, tiger right. lily. that's much yes. easier to say. <coughs> tiger How lily. do they grow? Where do you plant them? Well, it's a great time to plant them at this time of year. The flower during the summertime. Um, quite a nice plant. It only grows to about 18 inches to 2 feet in height. Um, it's a bulb that flowers year after year. And um, they call it the tiger lily because it's got lovely speckled, the flowers tend to be speckled right in the very centre of the plant. It needs full sun, so a bright, sunny location. Generally, when you buy a packet um, of the tiger lily, you'll get maybe eight or ten bulbs, and I would plant them all together because you want a nice clumped effect. It's got nice sword-like leaves and will grow about 18 inches in height. So really, somewhere sunny in the garden, in the shrub border, maybe in a shrub bed, in a flower border. You can grow it in a pot if you wish. Um, So somewhere sunny, bright, It'll flower, if you plant it now, it'll flower about July, early August and go right through till September. And funny enough, it produces a flower every day. Oh. So every day a new flower opens. So if you put them in a bunch, every day a new... The flower doesn't last, the individual flowers don't last particularly long. Yeah. They last maybe a day or two. But then it produces new flowers. So it's continually producing flowers right through the summer. Yeah, it's quite a nice little plant. So um, that's the tiger lily. Good time to plant it, get it into the garden. And if, if listeners have bulbs, you know, they often buy bulbs and stick them in the press and, and never plant them. Now is the time to be getting them into the garden. Don't go, on, go and take them well, out of the press today. They say that up to 70% of seeds and bulbs ever purchased are never planted. Would right. you believe that? 
Well, there might be a few packets rolling around my, my <laughs> <you> go. <laughs> now, now that you mention it. Uh, moving on very swiftly, I need to cover an old unsightly walled area with something fast growing or tall at the moment. Um, and they get large evergreen, can they get large evergreen plants at this time of year? Yes, the answer is yes, you can. Um, laurels can be got, you know, five and six feet high at this time of year. Some specimen plants, Fortinia would be quite a nice plant. Fortinia red robin is available four, five, six feet high. So yes, I mean, go to your local garden centre, look for the for more mature plants, so laurels, uh, fortinias, um, the, the agnus. You'll often get plants that are have been grown for a number of years that can be planted in. The other thing, if it's a wall, you could consider some uh, climbers as well, some fast-growing climbers. There's a lovely evergreen Virginia creeper, one called Cissus striata, which grows probably 10 feet of growth per year. And that plant, once planted, will cover a wall within a couple of years. So consider some climbing, climbing plants, but also you can get some large evergreen shrubs to put in now at this time of year and that'll give you some instant effect and laurels in particular will be quite fast and quite rapid growing okay lovely stuff we're going to take a very quick break time is moving on very swiftly this morning uh so stay with us uh 87 if you're texting uh with thanks to cnc cellular of course where switching your mobiles to vodafone is easy if you want to call us it's 0818 3055 and garden at midwestradio.ie if you're emailing Uh, potatoes. Let's go yes, to potatoes for spots. a second. Okay. Um, when, uh, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I'm after moving on from it now. Let's go back to it here. Potato stalks, they're just breaking the soil. Kind of an exciting time. Can you spray today with linuron? No, what you, what you need okay. to do, and, and the one thing, I, if, the, if the stalks are breaking the soil, in particular with the frost at night time, there's a danger that they could be damaged with the frost. So my advice is to get out there with the spade, cover over those stalks with four, five, six inches of soil. So cover them over and that'll protect them from the frost. And then you can apply the linuron on top of that soil. So earth them up or mould them up, uh, cover them with, with four or five inches of soil. That'll protect them against the frost. And then use your linuron. And linuron, for, for listeners, is, is the treatment that's used to prevent weeds from growing on potatoes. But you must put it on the clean soil before the stalk comes through. Or if the stalk has come through like it has here, just simply cover them over the soil. Okay. So you're doing two things. You're protecting them against the frost and you're also going to protect them. You're going to make it the, the conditions ideal for using the linuron. Lovely. Just on a cherry blossom, somebody's wondering, would a cherry blossom tree go, grow an ackle? <laughs> the, the trouble about like the cherries are actually very tough and they'll tolerate yeah. quite a, a lot of windy sites. But the problem is the flowers are going to be whisked off as soon as they come out, in a, you know, in windy sites. So I would say maybe go for some of the smaller varieties. There's... there's um, there's, you know, you can get some varieties of cherries that will only go three to four feet in height. They grow more as shrubs than as trees. Uh, but, you know, the ordinary prunus cans and our charite that are in flower at the moment in windy sites like Ackle, the first bit of wind we get, the flowers will have disappeared. So I would stick to more foliage trees like white beam or Crataegus Paul Scarlet okay. would be quite good. You know, the more wind-resistant okay. varieties. We, it's, 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 no, we, we don't want you to be disappointed if no, it doesn't... There's plenty of yeah. gardens in Ackle that have yeah, lovely have, flowering yeah. cherries, but they're more sheltered. Right. You know, so if you've got a nice sheltered garden with maybe a nice hedge where the garden is going to be protected from wind, then yes. But if it's an exposed, rugged site, then I would stick to something more rugged and hardy like white beam. Okay, lovely. Now, somebody is wondering, can you replant apple and plum tree, trees from one area to another? Now, they're down about 20 years. Right. <laughs> so, well, the, would it be... Well, the answer is you can. Okay. Like, apples and, and pears will, will transplant. Now, you know, 20 years, I mean, why not consider putting in some young 
trees and, and uh, you know, the chances of surviving, you know, you can do your best, you can remove as much soil and root as possible and replant them. First of all, it's the wrong time of year because apples okay. are nearly in flower, so leave them alone for this year. Um, and if you're removing them, then take as much as uh, of the root as possible when you're transplanting them. But look at I would consider putting in some young trees uh, because the, the varieties that are available today are far, far superior than varieties 20 years ago, in, years ago in terms of that the growers have grafted them onto dwarfing rootstocks. So the trees today only grow 7, 8 feet in height. They grow about a similar sort of width. Mm. You get 50, 60 apples from a small dwarf tree of that size. You can pick the apples. You're not waiting for the apples to fall off the tree. And there are lots of the really old varieties available now on modern rootstocks. So my advice really, and again, it's a great time to plant apple trees in the garden. And if you plant the cornet family which are a dwarf uh, variety which grow about seven or eight feet in height uh, they will fruit this year so the answer is yes if you're careful you can transplant them the time to do it will be november december january of next year when the plant is completely dormant um, and success will probably be 50 60 percent you know so right. y- there is a chance that the trees would fail but but you know it would be reasonably high that the, the plants would would take again but i would s- seriously consider putting in young trees because you can plant them at this time of year and they're not going to grow large like the old varieties right and uh, they're also, and more manageable really they're a lot more in, manageable in the long run. there's no little or no pruning to be done with them you'll still get beautiful varieties like Egmont Russet James Grieve Katie all the popular old varieties are available um, and yet you've got a tree that's a far more manageable than the old the older varieties were grafted onto more vigorous rootstocks so you ended up with a big tall tree full of wood that had small apples, very difficult to pick the apples. You were waiting for them to fall down. They were high up, or, yeah. You know, and hard hard to treat them if you needed to treat them. Whereas the modern varieties for me are far... That's what I have in my own garden. They're very successful. They're very easy. There's very little maintenance with them. And yet they're very productive. Okay. Now, somebody brought, bought pre-mazer 57 to spray yes. on weed-free ground, but there's no instructions on how much to use. <laughs> well, the, the instructions are there, all right, but sometimes the instru- instructions can be difficult to read. I'll give you, give you that. Um, first of all, to explain to people what pre-mazer 57 is, it's a weed killer that's used on shrub beds, hedging, rose trees, fruit beds, say driveways and patios. You apply it this time of year and it prevents weeds from growing so it can be used quite safely around trees and shrubs the application rate is 220 mils to 20 litres of water so that's 220 mils to about 4 gallons of water which is a typical knapsack sprayer and a bottle of Premazer 57 will do up to 3 quarters of an acre of soil so it does I mean it'll do more more than the average garden Mm. but be careful when using it in that it's it's very safe to use but it needs to be used on established plants so establish rose beds shrub beds my advice is to clean the bed first of all rake it off and then apply the premazer you can you can hit the odd leaf of the tree and shrub it won't affect it but it will stop the weeds from growing for this season Okay, good. Now, uh, sorry, just moving on here for a second. Um, so somebody is wondering um, what would be suitable to put in beds that's shaded? 
shade-loving plants. Well, again, you're looking at plants that uh, things like hostas would be lovely at this time of the year. They're just breaking the soil. Beautiful foliage colour, nice purple flowers. Virginia is a really nice plant as well. Lovely purple flowers, big rounded leaves, um, quite a nice plant. Vinca, which is flowering at the moment. Vinca major and Vinca minor, which is a nice ground-covering plant. A still base would be nice, which are, again, going to flower throughout the summer. Arum lilies, which are blooming at the moment. So my advice really is go to your local garden centre, tell them you need plants for shaded, a shaded location. There's lots of really good plants and it depends on the level of shade, mm. how dark it is. Mm. Um, you'd be quite surprised, you know, what plants will grow in semi-shade. You know, they don't necessarily, most plants don't necessarily need to be in full sun all the time. So it depends on the level of shade. But look at this, lots of ferns, lots of really good plants that can be planted this time of year and it's a great time to do it. Okay. And consider some bulbs as well. Um, you know, some a lot of the bulbs will, will tolerate things like uh, bluebells, snowdrops in the autumn will, will tolerate they're shaded right. locations okay, as well. They're not looking for bright sunshine yeah, all the time. There's plenty, plenty of plants available. Uh, and speaking of bulbs, somebody bought a lot of tuber, dahlias, begonias and lilies in March. Okay. But, like you said, they forgot to set them. <laughs> and they're right. wondering, are they too late uh, to plant them or uh, still out of doors or what's the story? Yeah, so dahlias, lilies and, and what was the other begonias. one? Begonias. Begonias. Mm. No, I mean, again, what I would do is, is start them off indoors. So again, with the frost at night time, uh, dahlias and begonias in particular would be damaged by frost. So mm-hmm. start them off indoors, bright windowsill, plant them up into pots into a good potting compost keep them watered and they'll start to grow in the next couple of weeks and can be very safely planted out of doors from about the middle of May onwards so keep them inside for about a month or if you have a greenhouse or a tunnel stick them in there keep them watered they'll sprout within a two to three week period and they're ready for planting then anytime from May onwards now dahlias in particular uh, love to have organic matter so if you've got some old stable compost rotten manure or buy yourself a couple of bags of farm composted farm of manure chicken manure that type of thing mm-hmm. put it in with the dailies when you're planting them and that'll reap huge benefits you'll have bigger blooms far longer flowering period because um, dahlias just love that type of environment right. the begonias will grow in ordinary garden soil or pots or containers and the lilies they don't require a very rich soil so keep the the organic matter for your dahlias. Okay. And speaking of lilies, staying on the same subject, uh, somebody's wondering what would be the name of that lovely white lily-shaped flower in gardens at the moment? The leaves are dark green and they think it flowers each April. That's the, ar- that's the arum lily. Okay. Arum lily. That's what we're talking uh, about. And again, now is, the, now is the time to plant them. They're okay. beautiful actually at the moment. They're lovely in flower. Okay. Now, a camellia has green growth but no flowers. What do they need to feed it with? A camellia. Yeah. Green growth. Well, again, liquid feed it. Um, get yourself a lime-free uh, feed. So one would be actually quite a good one to use. It's a liquid feed that can be applied on the camellia. Now, if it's an old plant, maybe five, six, seven years old, I would use a granulated fertiliser. And again, use a an ericaceous uh, fertiliser. Again, go to your local garden centre. Ask them for a slow-released lime fer- uh, um, ericaceous feed for for the camellias, the specific feeds for them. And it's important to feed camellias. They're, they're going out of flower now. Right. They're going to be finishing up soon and now is the time and throughout the summer is the time to feed camellias because you're producing the flower buds or they will produce the flower buds in the autumn that, that are going to be carried in the spring of next year. So feeding right through the summer is important for camellias. So a liquid feed of one or a granulated feed of an ericaceous compost. Lovely. For fertiliser. What's the least distance Leylandii trees should be planted from a house and have they a big root system? Uh, well, the roots tend, it tends to be very fibrous root, roots, so it's lots of small roots on Leylandii. Really what you're, you're considering there is more the height that they're going to grow, the shade that they're going to cast on the, on the uh, garden. So really it depends what 
the listener what height they're going to allow the laylands to grow. They can be very successfully trimmed at five, six, seven feet and kept at a hedge at that height. And if you're doing that, then I'd keep them back from the house maybe 15, 20 feet. If you're going to allow them to grow taller, then certainly they need to be spaced a lot further than that, 20, maybe 30 feet, up to 50 feet back from the house. So really, it depends. Don't worry too much about the rooting the roots of them, they're not going to impede walls or damage walls or damage the house. It's it's a very fibrous root system on them, but consider more the shade that they may create. Um, so really it's down to how you're going to trim them. And they can be successfully trimmed at six, seven, eight feet if you do it every summer. Okay. And a last question, I think I'm afraid time is against us. Uh, are the old type lupin flowers still easy to get? And when would I plant them to flower this now, summer? Now is now. a great time to plant lupins. Okay. Um, if you get them now, get, get quite, try look for quite... Uh, Large plants, plants that would have been sown from seed last year. So, you know, a good plant that might be six, eight inches in diameter, that will flower this summer. And you can often buy them now in particular colours. So if you like the blues or the yellows or pinks or reds, you can buy individual colours of lupins and put them in the garden. And my advice is put them in a cluster, three yellows together or three blues together to get that uh, mass effect. Okay. So, uh, sadly, time is against us, Park. We'll have to pause it there for well, this morning. Remember that there's plenty of information mm-hmm. available on the website, yes. which is gardencentre.ie. There's a lot of our fact sheets are, are available there. Uh, actually, there might be the pre-Mazer uh, fact sheet, I think, is on the website. If you look for it there, you'll be able to download it and all the, the instructions. Um, so check on the website. Lots of information there. And join me next Thursday for the gardening programme on TV3. Mm-hmm. I'll be on, I think, at half eight next Thursday morning. morning. And I'm right. going to be doing containers and Lovely. showing people how to plant up tubs and containers and the sort of plants to put in now for a bit of instant colour. Okay, nothing like a bit of instant colour and I suppose that's where we're heading now yeah. in terms of containers and summer and It's coming into that time of year, that. hanging baskets, window boxes, people are looking for colour at the moment. So, okay. Lovely stuff and of course if you have uh, missed anything on the programme you can always download our podcast as well. That's it from us. We're back again next Saturday uh, for me just after seven and Pori Quibley here again after nine. Have yourselves a lovely weekend. For the moment, good morning.